0: Hello. In today's show, an inspiring encounter with an ultra-runner who's moving mountains to save the climate, or at least running up and down them. A report on rights abuses in Central African Republic during the country's elections, latest data on global refugee resettlement numbers and a good news update on coronavirus vaccine shipments bound for Africa. All this and more in this week's UN Catch-Up, Dateline Geneva, with me Daniel Johnson and Solange Bejartegui-Cortez. Thanks for listening. First, the news with Katie Dartford.
1: The UN report covering the human rights situation over the past year in the Central African Republic has called for an urgent end to mountain abuses and violations. The document, published on Wednesday, covers the period from July 2020 to June 2021, which includes presidential and national elections. During this time, armed groups carried out a violent bid to disrupt the elections, and in response, the country's defence and security forces launched military operations to retake the territory from them. The joint report by the UN Human Rights Office and the UN Mission in the Central African Republic documented 526 incidents of abuses and violations of human rights. More than 1,000 victims were affected, including 144 civilians or non-combatants, who were killed by parties to the conflict. The coalition of armed groups, known as the CPC, was responsible for over half of the documented incidents. The Central African Armed Forces, Internal Security Forces and other security personnel, including Russian military instructors, were responsible for 46% of the confirmed incidents, the report said. The number of refugees given shelter in safe host countries plunged last year because of pandemic border restrictions, which continue to hamper the resettlement of vulnerable people. That's one of the findings of a new report by UN refugee agency, UNHCR and the World Bank, which said on Thursday that 64,000 asylum seekers started new lives abroad in host countries in 2019, but only 22,800 did so last year. The downwards trend has continued in 2021, with only 4,500 people resettled from January to March, while 57 countries still deny access to non-nationals and 73 have restricted access. The people of Beirut need to see accountability for the deepening crisis they faced after the devastating port blasts in the Lebanese capital 12 months ago, the UN's top rights officials said on Tuesday. Highlighting deepening despair and anger in Lebanon, UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet, issued a statement urging the Lebanese government to ensure a transparent, effective, thorough, and impartial investigation into last August's disaster, which killed more than 200 and injured over 6,500. His spokesperson for the High Commissioner, Marta Hurtado, speaking in Geneva.
2: There was initially a powerful spirit of national solidarity as all elements of society came together in response and the government initiated judicial proceedings. But 12 months old, victims and their loved ones are still fighting for justice and truth. Investigations appear to have stalled amid a worrying lack of transparency and accountability.
1: In a related development, the World Food Programme warned that food is out of reach for much of the population since the country's currency plunged to a
0: 15th of its former value. Katie Dartford with the headlines there, and this is UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Now to this week's interview, which is for World Humanitarian Day 2021, which falls on Thursday, August the 19th. This year's global campaign is called The Human Race Against Climate Change, and its aim is to get all of us to do something physical for 100 minutes between August the 16th and the 31st. Come on, we can all do it. The idea was inspired by the fact that natural disasters are affecting vulnerable people in aid emergencies more and more, plus the upcoming Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland that's happening in November. To talk about why it's important to get moving on this now, I spoke to ultra-runner Fernanda Maciel, who's lent her support to the campaign, and Kirsten Mildren from the UN Humanitarian Coordination Office, OCHA, who we'll hear from first.
3: So each year we hold this global campaign and the whole humanitarian community takes part in it. And that's NGOs, that's UN agencies, and it's the Red Cross movement. And normally we focus on aid workers or the people that we're here to serve. This year, though, we felt because of the climate crisis and how it's affecting humanitarian operations, that we really needed to focus the campaign on climate action and particularly making sure that the voices of the most vulnerable are sort of front. Centre at COP26 in November.
0: Tell me then a bit more about how the climate crisis has changed the face of humanitarian work. You say it's overwhelming aid teams.
3: The reality is that the climate crisis is here in the places where we work, which is all around the world, and humanitarian operations are already at breaking point. They have been for years because of the rise of conflict and humanitarian needs, which are outstretching resources. But climate change just puts on this additional pressure that we as a community just cannot cope with.
0: Do you mean in terms of water stresses, lack of natural resources? Is that contributing to conflict? Is that the sort of thing, displacement as well?
3: All of those things. Essentially, the weather patterns and the natural hazards that we see mean that people aren't able to cope and recover for the next crisis. On top of that, the lack of access to water, droughts, locusts, all of these things that we're seeing are actually exacerbating conflict. So conflict is also on the rise because of this. So it's essentially something that's there that's multiplying all of humanitarian needs.
0: Thank you for that. I'm going to turn quickly to Fernando Maciel. Fernando, I hope I pronounced your surname correctly. You yes. are You're a Brazilian and Spanish ultra runner. Just to give our listeners an example, your achievements include being the first woman to run the Camino de Santiago Compostela, which is 860 kilometres in 10 days. So you're getting involved in this campaign, which I should remind listeners is a human race against the climate change clock. What exactly do you want to get out of this campaign, Fernanda?
2: Well, as an ultra runner, I am a professional athlete. I run the world circuit of uh, long distance. And in my past, I was an environmental lawyer in Brazil. So I've been racing and running around all the continents in the globe. Also, I have a social environment project that I run the highest mountains in the world. as the highest in America, Africa, Europe, and I will keep it going. So for me, this project is just super exciting because it's just like, it's uh, it's my dream, you know, like uh, if I can run for the best cause, that is the environment and especially the climate crisis.
0: Have you seen during your runs around the planet the changing face of the climate?
2: Yes, I've been racing in Amazon Forest, for example, in my country. And that was just a 50-kilometer race, but I was running in the just middle. Just a 50-kilometer the... race.
0: I just want to yeah, point that out. Sure. That's nothing to you, is it? That's probably before breakfast. <laughs> I really breakfast. want
2: to run more in the forest because this deep forest is beautiful, the Amazon Forest. And part of the race, we were like also running in some part was without, a redis, uh, without trees. And you could see the effect, not like of the heat waves, the wildfires that I know that happens there. Today, I live in France, in Chamonix, is a mountain village. So here you have the longest glacier, the Mar de Glace. And each year you are losing many meters of the ice there. And it's crazy. I've been running there 10 years ago, and the running right now is completely different. So I can see with my eyes, like, how it's changing, and it's changing fast. So I think it's super important this campaign, also for the normal people, like, for all the community, you know, just to pay attention and to see, to open their eyes, that it's it's real, and it is right now.
0: It's interesting you talk about being in touch with nature and the Mayor glass. certainly. Being there myself, I know that... Today you have to go a lot further down to reach the glacier than you used to. But I wonder if there's not a disconnect between people and nature, because you're willing to make huge sacrifices to go as far as you can into the depths of the natural world. But are normal people going to do that? Isn't it someone else's problem? How are you going to convince them to really get involved to save the climate?
2: Well, it's just like this little step right now. Just participate with this campaign. So I think it's also another point of this campaign is to move 100 minutes. So let's move 100 minutes. Let's go to the office just walking or by bike. I think you need to change the lifestyle. Do you know? Otherwise you cannot get this neutral carbon society. Do you know? Like you need to make sure that you don't use our cars every day. You can go walking, you can go by bike. So it's just little steps. I think it's a touch that people do, you know, and then they can uh, start to appreciate this more natural style because at the end we are animals. Do you know? You needed to come back to our roots. You needed to do less and I think it's the way and you know, also this campaign can also, is showing that.
0: Fernanda, you think this is the right time for this kind of campaign. And I'm going to come back to you, Kirsten Mildon, if I may, from OCHA, which is the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. The key hopes of this campaign are presumably that developed countries will come to the COP in Glasgow and make good on their decade-old pledge of contributing $100 billion annually for climate mitigation and adaptation in, in the most vulnerable countries. What is going to really add weight to that call after this campaign?
3: I think what we're trying to show is that groundswell of support. We're trying to show that this is something that people around the world care about and that they're willing to do 100 minutes of activity. In fact, they're willing to take any action to show that this is a priority for them and that they do want the countries that can make a difference to step it up. And I think it's really important that these countries that do have the power to make a difference, make this difference before COP. Otherwise, it sends a really bad message to all of the countries, the developing countries that have played so little part in this and have got these huge infrastructure bills for a century of greenhouse gases that they didn't actually contribute to. So it goes down to people power. It goes down to the fact that the only way for us to really make a difference is to let people know that this is a global problem that we're all motivated by.
0: Kirsten, thank you. Fernanda, final word to you. You've met probably more people around the world than I certainly have. So what would your message be from them to the world's leaders meeting in Glasgow later this year?
2: My message is this, like try to move, try to get engaged with this campaign because it's so important. It's like it's uh, what you need to fight right now. No, it's uh, If you like in nature and you are animals, you are part of nature, you need to do our effort to help the United Nations and to help to integrate you non-culture, know, sport and the environment. I think it's you need to work for that.
0: Brazilian ultramarathon athlete Fernanda Maciel and Kirsten Mildren from the UN Humanitarian Coordination Office, OCHA, on the hashtag human race challenge that everyone's invited to try in support of halting climate change and also raising awareness about how aid emergencies are increasingly linked to natural disasters. To take part, all you have to do is to connect to Strava and log 100 minutes of physical activity between the 16th and the 31st of August. If you can't do it, you can also sign up to support this call to action via the campaign site, which is World Humanitarian Day. Just search on your favourite search engine. Now it's time to hand over the baton to Solange Bertegui-Cortez for her closing thoughts on showing solidarity for vulnerable people affected by climate change. Hi, Solange.
4: Hola, Daniel. We are only a few months away from the UN Climate Summit COP26, where the world's leaders will meet to discuss climate actions. The human race is a timely campaign to create urgency among countries to take immediate and concrete steps to combat climate change. We need to listen to people like Fernanda Maciel. She can see the damage to our planet every time she goes training. The Glacier, the mer de glace that she talks about, it's so sad to see it shrinking year after year.
0: Yes, and just before we came on air, Solange, you said that the interview and the campaign reminded you of some very fine athletes from the Inca Empire in South America. What did you call them again? Yes, Chaskis. These
4: were Andean runners. Chaski is a Quechua word, one of the indigenous languages in Bolivia and Peru. And during the Inca Empire, these young runners were considered the Inca's personal messengers, and they moved quickly along the Empire's road network in the Andean mountains. They were known as chasqui because it means to exchange or to give and take, which is the same thing because they exchanged, gave, and took from one to the other the goods they were carrying. However, Daniel, Just as important as the message delivered by the runners was the action taken as a result of the message. We know that we start this race for the climate with deep inequalities and we are running out of time. But the message we heard from Kirsten and Fernanda is powerful. Global challenges require a global team. The message from the human race campaign must be acted upon at the climate summit in Glasgow and elsewhere through concrete action in our daily lives, if possible. Let's make a sprint to get there in time.
0: Thank you, Solange. Now, I'm not much of a runner like those Chaski messengers. Or Fernanda, who we just spoke to, but I will try to log 100 minutes of physical activity on Strava between the 16th and the 31st of this month. Listeners, that is all we have time for today. Next week, we'll be heading to Ethiopia's war-torn Tigray region for an update from UN mental health counsellors who are helping children who've been displaced and traumatised by the long-running conflict. As ever, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can drop us a line on UN Geneva's Facebook page, Twitter or Instagram accounts. We hope you've enjoyed the show and can join us next time. Bye-bye for now.
4: Ciao, Daniel. Hasta pronto.